On this glorious and sacred day, we thank you for the beauty of your creation. We thank you for the new creation in Jesus Christ and all gifts of healing and forgiveness. We thank you for the sustaining love of family, friends, and community. We thank you for the fellowship of faith in your church. Merciful God of might, renew this weary world, heal the hurts of all your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. On this day, we pray for the healing and wholeness for all in mind, body, and spirit. We pray for your comfort for all those who are grieving. We pray for your traveling mercies for those traveling by land, sea, and air. We pray for your wisdom for all those who govern the nations of the world. We pray for the people in countries ravaged by strife, warfare, or poverty. We pray for all who work for peace. We pray for all who strive to save the earth from destruction. We pray for your church in every land. We pray for Pastor Jack as he shares your word today. May your spirit speak into our hearts and into our lives, transforming us and conforming our minds to your own. For all these prayers spoken and those that we offer in the silence of our hearts, we entrust them to you in faith, hope, and love. All these gifts you have given to us in Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. for 
A word about what you do with your bulletin. Take it home with you and read the lyrics to that song and all the other songs that we sing and let the beautiful truth in them continue to inspire you. Not only is it a green thing to do, I suppose, to keep using the paper, but it's a good thing to do for your soul. Stand with me now, friends, and let us prepare our hearts and minds to hear and receive the word of God as expressed in Holy Scripture in the letter to the Galatians. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring would come to whom the promise had been made. And it was ordained through angels by a mediator. Now a mediator involves more than one party, but God is one. Is the law then opposed to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could make alive, then righteousness would indeed come through the law. But the scripture has imprisoned all things under the power of sin, so that what was promised through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, for in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Last week was our first official week back in the sanctuary. 
Next week, we can expect that most of the COVID-19 restrictions and protocols will go away. We will keep saying that to you and writing that to you and giving you the detail for that. Because I assure you, next week about six or seven o'clock in the morning, I'll get an email or a text from someone who will say, what time are we having worship again and do I have to wear my mask? <laughs> and that's okay. It's been a confusing time. We are all, not just in the life of the church, but we are all in society in a process of moving back to old ways. And yet, we have learned a lot, have we not, about ourselves and about our society and all the old ways we used to do things. And we are also thinking of moving into new ways, preparing to go forward. I've heard from some folks that they plan to continue wearing a mask from here on out because they didn't get the flu this year. Personally, I think, Alan, they just don't want to put on their makeup. That's another story. I, for one, Sam, I've given up makeup. The best example of this process that we're in of going back to the old ways, but also moving into the new ways that I can give you from church life is, is what we're doing right now. Last week, of course, for those of you, we should have given you a ribbon or a medal or something. Last week was the first time that we had telecast a Sunday morning service live to the whole world. I'm sure at least a billion people tuned in. <laughs> We are live streaming, we're recording. It's great to have folks that are watching right now from wherever they are, wherever you are. It's good to have you with us. It's good to have everybody together in whatever way. That's one of the new things we're doing and we're still trying to figure out some of those new things. But of course, we're doing an old thing. Some of you have been complaining to me with, the, with this blue tape on the pews. You cannot sit in the same place where you have sat for the last 62 years. Even though the sanctuary's only been here 11 years, you're convinced you've been sitting here for 62 years. I get it, I get it. <laughs> oh, it's good to tease people in real life. You know, you know, when you're preaching to this amazing little device, it doesn't laugh back at you. You know, Sue, Sue Hale's used to laughing at your jokes all the time, and I know that you're used to laughing at his jokes, but these things don't laugh back at you. Last week we started reading in Galatians because the people to whom that letter was written nearly 2,000 years ago were going through something very similar to what we are going through now. They were coming out of the old. They were coming out of an understanding of God and life and how we are meant to live that had been taught to them and developed by them for centuries and centuries and centuries. Almost all of the first people to follow Jesus were Jews. 
and they were bringing their Judaism with them, and yet now Jesus had appeared on the scene. He had lived, he had taught, he had demonstrated, he had been executed, he had been resurrected, and they had to deal with the new. What were they going to do? What did this man, also God, now confessed as Messiah, what did that mean for these who were steeped in the old but now were moving into the new? The primary message of Galatians, the primary message of the New Testament, is that a person's relationship with God is based on God's grace and not on our ability to fulfill God's law. In the time of Jesus, people had twisted their understanding of God, and there was plenty in the Old Testament in their history to, to encourage this understanding, but, but they had... They had believed with all their hearts that if God was going to love them, if they were going to have a relationship with their Creator, if they were going to have an eternal life of any kind with their Creator, then they had to get their act together and fulfill the law. But now with Jesus, there was a new understanding. Paul hits that point again and again and again in Galatians. He says, you are in Christ. You belong to Christ. And that means something different now. For how all of you Jewish Christians understand your relationship with God. God loved you from the very beginning. Our relationship with God, our ability to have life, the gift of eternal life comes purely, solely, exclusively, only because God gives it to us and he gave it before he gave the law. So what use is the law? Paul notes that normally when you have something going on in a relationship, you have at least two people involved. Sometimes you have a mediator. He says, that's not the way it is with God. The same God who gave us the law is the God now who has given us himself in Jesus the Messiah. Is he canceling out the law? Is he nullifying that whole system? What do we do with the law? It may be hard for modern Christians to develop an understanding of just how important the law was to first century Jews, and still is to Jews, by the way. The law is many things. The law is the Ten Commandments. The law is the whole history of the people, starting with Abraham. The law is everything that the people have understood about their relationship with God. And so it's vital, it's fundamental. But now something has changed in our perspective and our understanding about the law. It's the same God who gave it. What do we do with it now? One option, of course, was to throw it out and say, well, God made a mistake when he gave us the law. Or the law was only meant to be a temporary thing. But that couldn't be. Some people suggested that maybe we should still enforce the law. We talked about some of this last week. 
Maybe you need to become a Jew and you need to fulfill the law, all the rules and regulations of Judaism, so that then you can have the Messiah. No, that's not what it is either. What are we going to do with the law? What are we going to do with all the old that we have understood so well, that we have followed so carefully, that we believed to be God's will for us? What are we going to do with that now that we have Jesus on the scene? Well, thankfully, we have a new understanding that is rooted in the old understanding, actually. I won't get that complicated this morning because we're going to have to break to a commercial message soon. And <laughs> we'll talk about this later, but here's the thing we need to understand. We need to understand what is the proper use of the law. We need to understand why God gave us the law in the first place and how the law continues to be important to those of us who know that fulfilling the law is not the basis of our relationship with God. In other words, we need to take something from the old and look at it with new eyes and begin to use it in a new way. Actually, the way that God originally intended. Are you with me so far? Paul says that God gave us the law to be our disciplinarian. There's a word we don't like. At the first service, I met a visitor to church who is a personal trainer. Beautifully sculpted young body. And I asked if she could make me look something like that by the end of the summer. And I'm sure she was glad she had a mask on because... <laughs> Discipline. God gave us the law at the very beginning so that we could have some concept, some understanding of how we are meant to live these lives successfully. You want to live life successfully. You don't want to be a failure. I don't want to be a failure. We need to know what makes for successful life. That's what the law is all about. So God gave us the law as a disciplinarian, as someone to teach us. The law still continues to be a really good form of instruction for how to live your life. Nothing has canceled, nullified, abrogated the Ten Commandments. Now, we are talking about the heart of the law. Let's be clear about that. Over the centuries, being who they were, simply people, the Jews took those original Ten Commandments and added a few things and developed a few things to the point where in Jesus' day there were 613 rules and regulations and laws and commandments. I have a really hard time remembering the Ten. There ain't no way in God's green earth that I'm going to remember 613, but that's what the Pharisees in particular in Jesus', in Jesus day said. You got to do the 613 or God doesn't love you. You are not righteous. The Pharisees asked Jesus, what about those 613? And Jesus said, you know what? Let's summarize the meaning of the law. You know what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we go back to the 10 and we go back to that 
overarching, overruling, fundamentally inspiring genius of the law that says, if it's about loving God and loving others, then that's God. If it's not, then it's not. We must keep grace first and foremost. Everything is because of God's grace. The gift of the law is because of God's grace. The gift of a loving relationship with God is a gift of God's grace. And then because we know that God already loves us, we can be full of peace and joy and happiness instead of fear and anger and despair. And we can begin to fulfill the law. Now here's how I think about this. That was a pretty intense biblical theological discussion of something that people have been talking about for 2,000 years now, and we will continue to talk about it. Think about it in this way. I think of it very physically in some sense even, when you're moving from the old and going towards the new. Has anybody here ever moved anywhere? You've been reassigned. You have a new billet, a new post, a new job. You've graduated, they won't let you stay in the dorm anymore. You've got to go out and grow up and be a big person. What happens when you move? You know, they say that when you move from one place to another, you're supposed to look at all the stuff you have and get rid of the stuff that you're not going to use anymore or maybe haven't for 15 years and get yourself ready to move into the new place with the stuff that you're going to need, right? The problem is we love our stuff. I think I read last week that one in 10 American households has stuff in a storage locker somewhere. I don't want to know who you are. Why is it that when we move to a place that no longer has a yard, we bring the lawnmower with us? Helen and I moved a few years ago from a huge house into a large house, and we had huge furniture. Now it had to go simply in large rooms, and we discovered that all that huge furniture took up all the floor space. We couldn't walk in our house because we had all this huge furniture, but it was hard to give it up. Anybody here relate to this? What do you leave behind? What do you repurpose? What new things do you need? That's the issue. The early church helped us to learn what we bring from the old, what's still good, what's still precious, what's still holy, what is still of God. And the early church helped us learn then how to use it in a new way. Sometimes the new way is going back to the way it was meant to be from the beginning. This isn't just about religion. This isn't just about faith. Every aspect of human life has this dynamic in it. We are living through that dynamic now. That's why we're all so nervous and so upset and so confused. Or is it just me? Maybe it is just me. What do we bring with us? What do we leave behind? How do we move forward? We're thinking about how to do that in the life of this church. Some things might be different going into the future. But it's okay. You'll survive. God will still love you. I might still love you. <laughs> what has the pandemic taught you about your whole life? 
What have you learned about that is priceless and precious and should never be changed? What have you learned that maybe is old now and worn out and maybe was useless from the very beginning? What are you going to keep? What are you going to throw away? What are we going to keep and throw away? We have a Savior, one who is faithful to us, who we say is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what will keep us going. Let me leave you with this prayer that Wendy McClave sent to me last week. Wendy, your place in heaven is assured now. You don't need to worry anymore. It's a prayer written by Herbert Brokering a long time ago. Will you pray it with me? Lord, call us into the church. Call us in often and teach us the old words and old songs with their new meanings. Lord, give us new words for the words we wear out. Give us new songs for those that have lost their spirit. Give us new reasons for coming in and for going out into our streets and into our homes. As the house of the Lord once moved like a tent through the wilderness, so keep our churches from being rigid. Make our congregations alive and free. Give us ideas we never had before so that Alleluia and Gloria and Amen are like the experiences we know in daily living. Amen. Thank you, Jack. Friends, let us respond to the word proclaimed by the affirmation of faith, the sacred words from Romans 6, in one voice and one heart. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life.
and into thy balm. Out of life's storms and into thy calm. Out of distress into jubilant song. Jesus, I come to thee. Indeed, we have come to Jesus because he first came to us to offer us abundant and eternal life. That means that if we're going to be with Jesus, we have to go with Jesus, and Jesus is not imprisoned in these walls of this sanctuary, but Jesus is out there in the world, alive and well, and ready to meet us as we follow him. Let me mention just a couple of other opportunities that we have to learn and to grow and to serve. During this worship hour, we have an adult Bible study going on over in the Fellowship Center, and so if you're so inclined, you might want to come worship at 9 o'clock and then go over to the adult Bible study. We will have more beginning again in the fall. We have a Monday evening group that is studying prayer through this summer. They're meeting by Zoom, so you can go back to the old ways of meeting by Zoom and not coming to the church. If you'd like to be part of that, there is detail on the church website and in the in emails that we have been sending to you. Next Sunday, we're going to recognize our graduates, graduates from kindergarten, graduates from graduate school, whatever people are graduating from, we need to hear about them from you. So send us emails with names, institutions, the things from which they are graduating, because we're proud of you and we're happy for you and we want to recognize you. 
And so now let's close our time of worship as we sing in our hearts while Katie and Miles sing with their voices about the everlasting love of God that holds us safe and secure. something really old right there that I'm glad we still have around. How many of you grew up singing that song? Da, 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 da. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. What's the old stuff that you're going to keep around? What's the new stuff that you're going to learn? I'll be curious to see what you do with that. So will God. Be assured of this, that no matter what, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with us today and tomorrow and always. Let God's people say together, Amen. Amen.